God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome to the Oh How Marvelous one year anniversary celebration episode. I can't believe we have come this far. It's going to be awesome. Um, we actually just recently closed out the Infinity Saga. So today I'll be talking with y'all um, about my rankings and ratings of the Infinity Saga films along with the Stanley cameos therein. With, of course, the exception of Far From Home, because unfortunately, Stan Lee was not able to record a scene um, for Far From Home. So, um, But I think it actually is perfect for him to have finished out his cameos with Endgame being the big um, climactic ending to the Infinity Saga that filmed there. So I think that was fitting. So I will be talking about all that and I will actually be doing the drawing for the Marvel Avengers playing cards at the end of this episode. I will also be um, telling you like my favorite character quote and scene from the Infinity Saga as a whole. Um, I'm sure none of the results will come as a surprise to you. But yeah. Um, and then we are going to actually talk about the plan moving forward. Um, after all that is done and, and then we'll just close out this episode. So, um, I cannot wait to get into my rankings of the infinity saga, but first my Stan Lee cameo rankings and ratings. Now I will give you my ranking and ratings in reverse order, basically from worst to best. And so, um, there are 22 cameos. So starting off at number 22 is Iron Man 3. I put it at a 0.7, and I mm, I just didn't like it. It had uh, barely any Stan Lee screen time, like you could just blink and miss it. And he doesn't even say a line, he just kind of gives a rating at a pageant, and I, I just didn't like that. Um, and so that's why it's the worst one, in my opinion. Um, number 21 is Iron Man 2. I gave it a 1. Again, these are IMDb-type ratings. Um, I, again, still didn't like it. Um, he kind of took on sort of a glimpse of a role of Larry King. And yeah, it does kind of look like Larry King. And that was kind of funny, which is why I put it higher than Iron Man 3. But um, I still just, it didn't 
feel like it should have been the Stanley cameo it could have been. I don't know. But I gave it a 1. Up at number 20, um, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. I gave it a 2.7. He is kind of just being a creep and uh, a weirdo, um, old man, uh, sort of a perv, really. But, um, yeah, I I didn't really enjoy the Stanley cameo. They could have made better of it here. Um, Yeah, Uh, so number 19, I have Iron Man... uh, for the first Iron Man. Um, so I gave that a three. Um, he uh, pretends to be Hugh Hefner. Now he does have a little more screen time here in this first cameo than he does the Iron Man solo movie cameos. And so um, we get to see him do like a little reaction though there. So um, that's why I put it at number 19 and not last. But yeah, the Iron Man Stanley cameos just didn't really have that much pizzazz, um, disappointingly. So, yeah. At number 18, I have The Avengers. I gave that a 3.2. He just, you kind of see him in a news clip at the very end of the movie, and he's like, Avengers are aliens in New York. Give me a break. And I I really, I think they could have done so much better. And to me, the if... His cameo, and I mentioned this in the Avengers episode, if his cameo was being the old man in Germany who stands up against Loki, I think that that could have been Stanley's very best cameo. It would have been perfect to me. Um, and I get there are theories that Stanley is just Captain America going back in time, checking in on his friends, but. Mm, uh, Really, that theory doesn't actually hold well, um, given the fact that if he did go back in time, that means that he wouldn't be an old man such as Stan Lee was in Captain America, the first Avenger. And he might have been still kind of an old man, but not as old of a man in Captain Marvel. And so that theory just doesn't hold true. I personally like to think that Stan Lee was one of the Watchers, which was kind of confirmed in the Guardians Galaxy Volume 2 um, cameo. Um, but um, yeah, I I think that they just could have done better with his cameo in this. So that's why I gave the Avengers Stanley cameo a 3.2. Now, at number 17, we have the Incredible Hulk. And I gave this one a 3.5. I kind of like that he got to um, be the guy that got the little glimpse of Hulk blood um, in him. And um, I actually enjoyed this cameo. But again, it wasn't as good as most of the others. So that's kind of how it fell. It's just more so of how it fell in relationship to the other ones. And not so much of my objective look at it, so to speak. And so, yeah, I enjoy the cameo. Um, but... Again, just how it fell. Um, at number 16, we have Avengers Endgame. I gave it a 4.5. Um, yeah, I honestly, um, looking back on it, uh, we all knew that going into Endgame that that was going to be his last cameo that we see him in. Um, because uh, Captain Marvel came out... Um, it was the first 
MCU film to come out after Stanley's passing. Um, and then after that came Endgame, and we knew and heard that he had already filmed his Endgame um, cameo there um, because they did film Infinity War and Endgame about at the same time. Um, and so we knew that that was going to be his last cameo going in. And so I, I kind of gave it that extra point there. It would have tied with the Incredible Hulk's cameo. Um, but I gave it that extra boost um, just in honor of him, really. Um, and it wasn't that great of a cameo. I was expecting something bigger of a cameo from Stan Lee, especially for such a, a climactic ending to a saga uh, with Endgame, and so, um, and I get that there were some limitations based on his health and such, um, but I gave it a 4.5. Um, at number 15, we have Doctor Strange, and I gave that cameo a 5.2. Now, um, it, it kind of ref was reflected, I guess, in, um, or paralleled, really, in Captain Marvel, too, because in both of these, He's reading something in a train or some sort of public transportation. And so, um, and this is the first time we saw him in the public transportation type cameo. And it's just a glimpse of him and he's just kind of laughing. And I, I think they could have done his cameo better, um, which is why I gave it a 5.2. But it was still kind of an average cameo, um, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, um, he was reading... Um, something and him and Caecilius kind of or Dr. Strange and Caecilius kind of uh, slam into the bus uh, right outside the window that he's sitting on and he's just sort of laughing at whatever it is he's reading um, and so that leads us to number 14 Ant-Man and the Wasp now um, the cameo here is um, they're in the middle of the big fight scene and uh Louise is using the race car and such um, he, after he's looking to the rally case. And um, so um, I think Hope accidentally um, shrinks his car when she tried to shrink a guy in a motorcycle chasing them. And so uh, I love his line, though, here, stands is, uh, well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. And I really enjoyed this cameo, but I still kind of gave it a 5.4. Um, because of just how it fell along with the other cameos, you know. Um, it, it just didn't sit right with me putting it higher than the ones that are above this one. And so that's why it is number 14. At number 13, we have Avengers Infinity War. Now, I did kind of enjoy this one, but it just didn't really stand the test of time to me. Um, it's when Peter... Parker notices the big ship in New York City looking behind him in the bus and he gets Ned to distract everybody so that he can get out without people noticing him. And I, I love that Stan Lee has a line here actually and he says, what you kids have never seen a spaceship before? And um, I, I love it actually, but I did give it a 5.5 because it still kind of felt average to me. Um, it was an enjoyable cameo, but um, again, I just... I don't know why I have such high standards for these Stanley cameos, but I, I kind of do. So that's just kind of why it felt so average to me. At number 12, we have Black Panther, and I gave it a 6.3. So a, a slightly significant jump compared to Infinity War. 
And I just kind of like the humor behind this cameo here because he is just like, you know what? I'm just going to take his stuff and play for him, um, if you don't mind. But I love that um, he interacts with one of the characters um, within the film, a main player, really, too. And so that's kind of why it helped boost that for me um, for Black Panther at 6.3. Now, we're moving on to the top half of the Stanley cameos um, with number 11 being Ant-Man and I gave it a 6.5 because um, you got um, I love how he's just part of one of Louise's story things and we see Louise or we see Stan Lee really um, he, he's just kind of mouthing the words right I mean he might have actually said the words in filming but um, I, I love that he's part of a Louise story here. Um, and I love the line, crazy, stupid, fine. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just a great, enjoyable cameo there. And pretty well above average for me. And I just enjoyed the fact that he was part of a little Louise um, recap story. Um, so at top 10 now, at number 10, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I gave a 6.7. And the reason for that being, um, I love that this is where we learned that he's just kind of one of the Watchers, or at least he's trying to be in with the Watchers. Um, and he also kind of references another cameo he has previously. And, and that sort of puts it up in the top half for me. Um, and so, and I kind of like that they continued on with it in one of the credit scenes and I just generally enjoyed this cameo too and it's certainly much better than the first um Guardians of the Galaxy cameo he has and so yeah I gave it a 6.7 at number nine we have Thor the Dark World again he's interacting with one of the main characters here being Eric Selvig and he's like can I just have my shoe back please um and I, I just, I don't know why I enjoyed it so much more than the previous mentioned ones. But um, I, I really enjoyed the Stanley cameo. Um, it kind of actually, the length and the setting and um, just the whole overall tone of this cameo just sort of very well matches the tone of the overall film and the moment that he's in. Here too, it's kind of a serious moment, and uh, it just kind of lightens the mood here. Um, but I love that we just get a little lighthearted moment here within all the seriousness happening within the film here, and that's why I gave it a six point eight. Now at number eight, we have Captain America: The First Avenger, and I gave it a seven. Um, I really enjoyed that uh, he. Um, just says, I thought he'd be taller, and I like the line here, um, and it's a great moment here, um, and he gets to actually play as, um, some sort of veteran, which he is a World War II veteran, if I remember correctly, and so, um, we got, they kind of pay homage to that part of Stanley, and that's, and, and I have respect for that, and I, I respect that, um, Stanley was willing to um, serve our country as well. Um, and so uh, that's why I kind of gave it a 7. It's better than an average Stanley cameo for sure. 
At number seven, we have Captain Marvel. And I kind of boosted this one up by about two points, I want to say, because as much as I thought it was a lot like the Doctor Strange cameo, it had a lot more sentiment behind it because it was his last cameo, or not last cameo to film, but um, the first cameo he had after his death. And so I loved that. Also in Captain Marvel, um, for the Marvel logo reel they have all these shots of stanley and his cameos um throughout not only just the mcu films but any other marvel films in general as well and i really enjoyed that and again he's just reading mall rats on a train but like you see brie larson smile at him and i, I like that moment too and so i gave the captain marvel cameo a 7.2 at number six we have thor and i gave it a 7.3 and I really love this cameo. I think this is the first cameo that came out within the MCU that I actually really enjoyed. Because um, we actually see him actually have a good time. And uh, he's the guy that tries to pull the hammer out of the crater and just can't. And instead, like his the whole bed of his truck just falls out. And I love how later on in the film, um, you... In a scene where I think Thor, Darcy, Eric, and Jane are out at the diner, and you kind of see behind Thor in a shot focusing on him, on the road behind him outside the diner, you see uh, that same truck with the bed missing just kind of drive by. And I, I love that little subtle hint there. And I think that's the scene uh, where uh, the guy at the diner is um, telling Thor about the satellite that they found. Um, and so... Thor then decides to go and try to get the hammer at that point. And so I really loved that. Um, at number five, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And I gave it an eight. I love that he plays as a um, museum employee security guard. And I love that when he looks at the missing Captain America suit, he's like, oh, I am so fired. And I think... What boosted this also for me was because it came from one of my favorite MCU films. Um, and so I gave the Captain America Winter Soldier Stanley cameo an 8. At number 4, we have Thor Ragnarok. And I really love this. I gave it an 8.3. I love that he's the guy that cuts Thor's hair. He's like, please kind sir, please don't cut my hair. And like... I, this kind of proved to me that you don't really have to have a line, that Stan Lee doesn't have to have a line for him to have a great cameo. Now, I think he does have a line here, but I can't remember what it said. And it's not that iconic, given that. And so, um, I just love that Taika Waititi just kind of knew how to incorporate Stan Lee into this for his cameo. And it was very creative, really, and I really enjoyed it. At number three... In bronze, third place, Spider-Man Homecoming. I gave it an 8.5. And I really love this. Yeah, I think this is the most screen time he has had in a film. Um, in any of his cameos, even within and without the MCU. And I love that he interacts with the other side characters. And he's like, Marjorie, how's your mother? And I, I loved it. This was a great cameo. They embraced it and it added to the comedy of the film and i really enjoyed it um and it 
took away the focus from Peter for a second, and it just kind of gave us a chance to breathe from that. Um, and I love that. At number two, the silver medal goes to Avengers Age of Ultron. I gave it an 8.8. Now, I know this is a lot of people's favorite Stanley cameo, um, and I totally understand your reasoning behind that. Of course, I gave it second place for mine. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed that he interacted with Thor and Captain America here. Um, he played as a World War II vet, and so they sort of just continued on with that um, tradition there with um, how they had him play a veteran in the first Avenger. Not the first Avengers, but Captain America, the first Avenger. And I enjoyed that, and I loved that he kind of challenges Thor in a way. Um, and he has a pretty extensive cameo. This is probably his second longest cameo within the MCU. Um, and so I really enjoy this cameo. But first place has to go to Captain America Civil War. I gave it a 9.2. And the reason I love this one so much is because he makes a mistake, which turns out to be a joke, that War Machine, or should I say uh, James Rhodes, Rhodey, um, kind of plays off of um and he says is this tony stink and i love that um Rhodes just makes a joke out of it and it's great and i really enjoyed this cameo and plus this is the one cameo that later on he refers to in guardians of the guardians of the galaxy volume 2 and so i really enjoyed it for that reason and it also just comes from one of my favorite, absolute favorite movies within the MCU and any really comic book movie um, that I really enjoyed. Um, so Captain America Civil War at 9.2 wins. Now let me remind you of the whole list and just give you the rundown. In 22nd place, we have Iron Man 3 at a 0 0.7. In 21st place, we have Iron Man 2 with a 1. In 20th place, we have Guardians of the Galaxy at a 2.7. At 19th place, we have Iron Man 3 with a 3. At 18th place, we have The Avengers at 3.2. In 17th, we have The Incredible Hulk at 3.5. In 16th, we have Avengers Endgame at 4.5. At 15th, we have Doctor Strange at 5.2. In 14th, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp at 5.4. At 13th, we have Avengers Infinity War with a 5.5. In 12th, we have Black Panther with a 6.3. 11th, Ant-Man with a 6.5. 10th, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with a 6.7. 9th, Thor the Dark World with a 6.8. 8th, Captain America the First Avenger with a 7. 7th, Captain Marvel at a 7.2. 6th, Thor with 7.3. 5th, Captain America the Winter Soldier with an 8. At 4th place, we have Thor Ragnarok at an 8.3. In 3rd place, we have Spider-Man Homecoming with an 8.5. In 2nd place, we have Avengers Age of Ultron with an 8.8. .8. And at 1st place, we have Captain America Civil War with a 9.2. So let me know how you feel about the Stanley cameos. How would you rank them? How would you rate them? I, I'm very interested to hear what you'd have to say. Um, 
just let me know. Like, just obviously you can message me through any of the social medias, which I will pitch at the end, um, and send me an email, whatever. I want to know what your thoughts are. Um, so yeah, and without further ado, we will get onto my rankings and ratings of the films in general. And so there are 23 films within the Infinity Saga. And so starting at number 23, we have The Incredible Hulk at a 5.2. Now, um, I've come to appreciate it more over the years because of what we've seen further and how it's further contributed to the story of the Hulk and the Infinity Saga in general. It's not that much, but there are a few hints um, of alluding back to that throughout the movies, um, and especially in Age of Ultron, where um, Black Widow uh, tends to calm the Hulk down to become Bruce Banner again. And um, I think that, and I mentioned this in the Age of Ultron, or maybe the Incredible Hulk episode, that um, it kind of was this moment where of Black Widow doing this that kind of reminded Hulk of Betty Ross, right? Um, and so... Um, yeah, I thought that the Incredible Hulk, like, wasn't, it was kind of an average movie, honestly, for just any general movie, but it was the worst MCU film, in my opinion, um, within the Infinity Saga, and so, um, I gave it a 5.2, because I thought it was pretty average for a film, but still, the worst MCU film within the Infinity Saga, so that was number 23. At number 22, we have Thor with a 6.5. Um, unpopular opinion within the first three Thor movies, um, the Thor trilogy that's within the Infinity Saga, each movie just gets better in my opinion. And so um, I gave Thor a 6.5. It could have been better, and I get that was in 2011 that it was made or came out, whatever, but um, it just... I guess it just had lack of depth to me. I don't know how to describe it, but I I don't think that Thor deserves, that that movie deserves all the praise that it gets because it just has lack of depth to me that I, I just can't comprehend or understand how I feel that way. But, um, or even in that manner, try to put it into words. So... Um, yeah, I gave Thor a 6.5. In 21st place, we have Doctor Strange with a 6.7. Um, I enjoyed the storyline. I enjoyed the plot. But at times, it just felt empty to me. And so there were times when I was watching the movie, like whenever I would watch the movie, that I would just get a, get distracted away from it, lost in thought on other things, or I'd just be playing on my phone. Uh, I just don't think... That it stood the test of time in drawing me in. And I get that origin stories don't tend to want to do that. But um, it just didn't really draw me in. It had great visuals. I enjoyed the visuals. Um, but the overall plot line. Um, great plot line. But great visuals. But it just kind of lacked some oomph with it. I don't know. Um, lacked some pizzazz. So um, that was number 21. At number 20... We have Iron Man with a 6.8. That's right. I didn't even put Iron Man in my top 5 or 10. I put it in my bottom 5, actually. Um, 
I think that it could have been made better. And I get that it's the first MCU film that came out. But um, I wonder what they could do with it if they just remade the movie with uh, what they know now about um, making an MCU film and what they know now about what they were leading up to, how they would remake this film. Um, that'd be really interesting. Now, I did like Obadiah Stane as a villain. He was very well done. And I did like um, Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stane. He was perfect casting there. And so, um, but I, I think that for me, just the rest of the movies that I have yet to mention are, are just better movies, in my opinion, than Iron Man. At number 19, I put Iron Man 2, and I gave it a 7.0. Again, all these are IMDb-type ratings. Um, and so, I enjoyed Iron Man 2 more than I did Iron Man 1. And again, unpopular opinion, the Iron Man trilogy just gets better. Um, I think I say that for every trilogy, really. Um, each new movie within those trilogies just get better. And um, I will say that until the day I die... Maybe. Who knows? But um, I just enjoyed Iron Man 2 better than Iron Man 1. Um, it was nice to have some added humor here with the character of Justin Hammer. And I, I think one of the reasons that I boosted this one up to a 7 is because I just really love the Senate hearing scene um, where Tony's just being himself, but he's also just not taking any crap from... Um, the Hydra Senator, or, you know, the Senator that actually turned out to be Hydra, um, revealed in Winter Soldier, but, um, I enjoyed this film, actually, um, I enjoyed seeing, um, Tony, um, trying to figure out how to cure himself, really, um, and in a crisis, how he handles that, um, but I love, um, yet again, seeing him challenged again, and, um, I, didn't really enjoy Ivan Vanko as a villain. He he was compelling within his story, but um, they could have done him better. They could have written him so much better. Um, and that's why it's kind of low on the list for me too, um, because the villains just didn't live up to um, what they could have been, I think. And so, um, yeah, that's why Iron Man 2 is number 19 out of 7. At number 18, we have Captain Marvel at a 7.3. I actually kind of enjoyed this more, it seems, than um, a lot of other people did. Um, and I mentioned this in that episode, but I just don't understand um, why so many people feel so strongly that it's a women's empowerment type of movie. And I get um, that there are certain aspects of her life that like are just women things. Um, female things, but, uh, I think that, um, they kind of so much focus on that aspect of it that they tend to, um, forget that basically the plot line of her story could have easily been a male character, um, been, they could have gotten the powers of the Tesseract, um, and then could have been manipulated by the Kree to be on their side. Um, that could have easily be, be it could have easily been a man's story, really. Um, but, um, and that's how I like to translate those type things, too. Like, uh, would this be a, um, 
viable story for a man could it work out and if so that wouldn't be a woman's empowerment story um but if it works out only for a woman then yeah that could be a woman's empowerment movie or story or whatever um and that's just kind of my litmus test there for that but um i enjoyed captain marvel actually um i enjoyed seeing um a young nick fury um a younger nick fury anyway um, especially from the 90s. And so it wasn't a bad movie. Like at a certain point, the Marvel movies just got good. Um, they became good films. And I think that kind of came along with Captain America, the first Avenger for me. Um, that's when they started getting their feet on the ground there. And um, so they certainly had that down by the time they made Captain Marvel. And so I gave Captain Marvel a 7.3. At number 17, I have Thor The Dark World with a 7.4, so a slight bit better than Captain Marvel. Slightly edge, um, a slight edge on it. Um, now, the reason I love this so much is because it just kind of continues the story of the relationship between Thor and Loki. And I love the brotherly banter that they have with one another, especially the moment where Loki says, Congratulations, you just decapitated your grandfather. And I love also that Heimdall just kind of gets his moment to shine here um, against uh, the invisible um, dark elf ship that comes in to attack um, Asgard. Um, and I actually really enjoyed um, this general fight here. Um, now, I do agree that Malekith was sort of a weak villain after I've heard all of everybody's... Um, perspectives on the matter and yeah i kind of agree with that and that's still kind of why it's kind of low on the list um not even the top half but i actually enjoy this movie i enjoyed it more certainly than the first thor movie i think they brought a little bit more substance to the story than they had before and i really enjoyed darcy in this film too she shined more than um she did in the first film and i love that they embraced her comedic side here um and they sort of kind of found a way to incorporate jane foster into the helm of the plot here into the helm of the conflict and i love that jane gets to go to asgard as well and gets to meet frigga and odin um and I, I like the interaction between Jane and Odin at first. She's like, who do you think you are? She's like, or he's like, I'm the king of Asgard. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, it's just little moments like that. We get to see Vanaheim um, at the beginning, and we get to see Thor's comedic side a bit. Uh, he gets to fight a Cronin, um, which actually is what Korg is in Thor Ragnarok. Um, and so... I love getting to see Vanaheim, getting to see like a, at least a little glimpse into the other nine realms that are not Jotunheim, Earth, or Asgard, or Midgard, should I say, for Earth. But um, I, I, it's for these reasons that I just enjoyed this movie better than most people did. And so I gave it a 7.4. Moving on to number 16, we have Guardians of the Galaxy at 7.5. So still a slight bit more of an edge there over the dark world. And I just enjoyed this film. It was great comedy. Um, it came out after a really serious movie of The Winter Soldier. And so it was great to have a movie that was definitely more on the lighter side of things. Um, a lot of comedy. I loved um, 
getting a glimpse into Peter Quill's story here. Um, and I love that this movie just didn't give us the entire thing. Um, but it gave us enough to want more. And it gave us enough to be satisfied for the time. And so um, I, I love that um, they just kind of come together as a band of misfits, really. Um, and I love that we kind of get to see this sort of theme of criminal reform here where you just get a band of criminals together and they just fight crime. And that's just sort of their redemption story there too. And so, um, again, I love Chris Pratt. He's my favorite actor, uh, because he's willing to stand up for his faith and, um, he's just funny and he plays in some really great films. Also, since he's also an MCU actor that kind of contributes to the fact that he's my favorite actor. And I also just loved getting introduced to all these new characters. Um, again, well, Ronin wasn't a very compelling villain to me. And I remember mentioning this in the Guardians of the Galaxy episode that I wish I would have come to despise or hate him more. I just felt sort of neutral about the guy, really. Um, he just seemed way too serious um, to be, um, a good villain, he, he just lacked a connection with the outside world that I, I think if he had, he would have been a more compelling villain to me, and so, um, still kind of low on the list for me, which is why Guardians of the Galaxy is not in the top half for me, and I gave it a 7.5. At number 15, we have Iron Man 3. And I actually really enjoy this movie. Again, I've said before that the Iron Man trilogy just gets better. Come at me, you fake Mandarin haters. Um, I actually really enjoyed Aldrich Killian as a villain. Kind of up until the end where he just seems to be kind of just give up. And it just kind of seemed out of character to me when um, Tony's like, uh, Jarvis, do me a favor and blow Mark 42. And he's like, no! It just kind of seemed out of character for him in that moment because Aldrich has already been established to be a guy that just doesn't give up. Um, he's very persistent. Um, and I think probably also in that moment, that's when plans kind of start to go awry for him. Now, plans did start to go awry when Tony came into the picture, but still, like, this is when stuff kind of started to really come out of his hands and he just didn't know what to do. But... Um, I actually really enjoyed Iron Man 3. I love seeing more of his relationship with Pepper. Um, I love kind of seeing a glimpse into a past relationship that he had. I loved the throwback to the New Year's party. Um, seeing Happy, the way that he was dressed and the way he looked back in 1999, 2000 was kind of interesting. Um, and it was kind of funny too. But I loved also just seeing Tony out of his element. Um, he didn't know what to do. He he didn't have his suit. And so he just kind of had to uh, be a low-budget version of himself, Iron Man. And so I loved that he was able to adapt to that. And it took time with Harley to be able to realize that. And um, I just loved seeing him without a suit that he was in a time where he was just away from everything he knew. Um, and, and that's why I loved Iron Man 3 so much, too, because um, they actually had a compelling villain for him. It wasn't just somebody that hated Tony um, before or was... Well, he 
he did kind of hate Tony before, but he kind of also explains, like, I moved past that. You just kind of came came into the picture, and now I have to deal with you kind of thing. But I, I just generally enjoy the film, and I think my experience with watching it for the first time at a drive-in theater uh, kind of helped boost that for me. So I gave Iron Man 3 a 7.6. And that leads us to number 14, which is Black Panther. And I gave it a 7.6 as well. Um, I just like the storyline here. Um, Killmonger was a very compelling villain. As you may have noticed that the rating is the same as Iron Man 3. And I put Black Panther... I gave Black Panther the edge over Iron Man 3. Because I think that this was a better directed film in general. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think Ryan Coogler is the second best director that we have gotten in the MCU so far. Second to the Russo brothers. Um, he just has a way of very compellingly writing a good story. I get that he's not one of the writers, but um, like he has a great way of directing things to give us a compelling story. He gave us one of the best villains the MCU has ever seen, Killmonger. Um, there were a lot of us actually kind of agreeing with Killmonger. Now, did we agree with the way he was doing things? Not necessarily. But um, it kind of made us kind of choose his side in a way. Because um, we realized he was right. And so did T'Challa in the middle of the film. And, and that's why um, the ancestral plane scene, the second time when T'Challa's like, I have to right these wrongs. That is probably a top... 10 scene for me within the MCU, at least within, within the Infinity Saga, because um, it's such a gut-wrenching scene. Um, I um, loved T'Challa. I love Chadwick Boseman as him. Um, and uh, I, again, I just loved the overall theme here of um, helping other people and kind of stepping out of your comfort zone, not only as an individual, but as a nation, as a people group. Um, and knowing how to do that well and wise, wisely, anyways. Um, and so I just think that this movie was very well written. Um, I enjoyed the music, the African music here, seeing the culture, um, seeing that um, the writing was actually given some influence upon real-life African cultures, uh, especially with the costuming, and um, I just loved it. Uh, very compelling actors. I loved um, Duke Winston as M'Baku. Uh, all these characters are just great. Um, and uh, what a great story, really. Um, and I loved that. Um, sure, he's just a fun teenager, fun loving teenager. I loved seeing the relationship between Shuri and T'Challa as siblings. Um, and as a great sibling relationship to see, um, also with Thor and Loki. Uh, I just enjoy watching these sibling relationships within the MCU. Um, but Ryan Coogler did a great job directing a movie that gives us a great balance of um, emotional, um, serious, and comedic stuff. And he has a very compelling way of writing a great story for us to enjoy and to learn from as well. Um, and I love that Ryan Coogler shows us that not only are these mo movies meant for us to enjoy, but we can learn from them. Um, we can learn from these cultures. We can learn from these ideologies. Um, 
maybe it's of what not to think or do. Um, and maybe it's something that we can implement that we've never thought of before within ourselves. Um, and so I really enjoy this movie. I gave it a 7.6. And so number 13, the very middle ranked film for myself within the Infinity Saga is Ant-Man at a 7.7. I just really enjoy the comedy here. I loved Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. I loved the character of Louise. Um, it's just generally great writing, and I love the comedy. Um, it, again, this is one of those com- comedic movies that come that came out after a pretty serious tone film. Um, it came out after Age of Ultron, and so it was great to see a more neighborhoody. Um, earthbound type character um, just come out of the woodworks um, and I love seeing the start of Scott's redemption story here um, as a criminal and I love that he just trying to be a good dad to his daughter Cassie um, and I, I love that it shows the realistic family dynamics within the modern era um, and so uh, Cassie's just a great daughter to Scott, um, and Scott's just a great dad to Cassie, and he's just doing all he can to just be with her, and just to be a great dad to be able to provide for her, because he longs for that, and and he knows that that's his duty, and so he does a great job of just trying to redeem himself, like, he does fall away sometimes, yes, see, he does, in that desperation, um, fall away into, um, the sin of, being a robber again, whatever, we see that scene um, where he breaks into the house again, or, or he breaks into Hank's house to end up getting the Ant-Man suit, which he didn't know about what it was, but also I loved the scene, which kind of connects it into the rest of the MCU, uh, for sure, where he goes into the Avengers facility that Hank thought was just an old Stark facility used just for storage or something, and so he fights Falcon, and I love it, and I love the comedy in the moment. He's like, hi, I'm Scott. And he's just like, did he just say, hi, I'm Scott? Um, and I love that he interacts with Falcon, and then he kind of beats Falcon in a fight. And Falcon's like, I don't want Cap knowing about this. But um, just a great film in general. Um, it's about time for a heist film within the MCU as well. And so I gave Ant-Man a 7.7. At number 12, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, also at a 7.7. Now, I gave it the edge over Ant-Man because uh, I just, I guess I enjoyed it a little bit more, but I couldn't justify giving it a higher one compared to the ones that have yet to be mentioned. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed Guardians Volume 2 better. It's great to see um, Peter's storyline kind of continue, Peter Quill's um uh, I love um, seeing him interact with his dad and uh, him getting what he wished for his entire life to to find his dad. And I love that there's this kind of biblical theme here too of um, his dad was seeking him out too and he found him. Um, He didn't find his dad, his dad found him. And that's kind of reciprocal within the gospel too where um, there's time and time again where the father seeks us out. And that's what grace is, really. It's him seeking us out. Um, I describe grace a lot on this podcast, right? And so um, that's one of his main modes of working with us is grace. 
And so the Father is trying to seek us out to become his children. And so um, that's all I'll say about that biblical thematic thing there. But um, I really did enjoy Volume 2. Um, the soundtrack gets better every time. Of course, I love Baby Groot. Um, he is real cute. But um, also, I just love seeing him dance around the big fight scene that they have in the beginning. Also, a moment here in Volume 2. Um, I like how Gamora and Star-Lord are um, bickering about like using swords versus guns. And Gamora's like, I'm going to use a gun in this fight. But it comes down to the fact that she has to use a sword to kill the thing. And I love it. Uh, I love the comedy within that. And uh, just the general comedy within the whole thing. I love seeing the Sovereign. Um, I love the lead into getting Adam Warlock that we'll finally get to see in Guardians Volume 3. Can't wait for that. Um, it looks really good. Um, but uh, I love getting introduced to Mantis also. And the relationship that she forms with Drax there and the, the friendship really. Um, and one thing that I really, really enjoyed about this film was we kind of get to see one of the more serious sides to Drax. Where he's talking to Mantis about the lost lakes of his world where he used to spend time with his daughter. And uh, he has thought philosophically before because he talks about... If you're ugly and people love you, they know that you love you because of who you are and not because of how you look kind of thing. Um, and so he's not a dummy. He's just kind of hilarious at times. He's just a fun-loving guy. Um, and I, I love seeing the redemption story between the relationship between Gamora and Nebula. It's a, a great story there. Um, and I love that. It starts off them fighting and then they notice the skulls and then they realize that they're um, in some deep trash here and so they work together to try to warn the other guardians to get out and such and so also love getting to see the parallel storyline starting to form here between Yondu and Rocket um, and uh, I love that they get to bond over having the knowledge of that similar experience with each other um and so i gave guardians of the galaxy volume 2 a 7.7 .7. that leads us into number 11 which is captain america the first avenger and i gave it a 7.8 and again another one of those trilogies that just gets better for me so i really enjoyed this film it really introduced me to my favorite character within the mcu i'll get into that though um, and so I loved the, um, storyline there. I loved the romantic side. It's not forced on you, but it's there. You can tell, and you can tell that their romantic relationship is growing, um, throughout that. And you see that, um, it takes place throughout the entirety of World War II up, well, starting with the point where he joins the army, but, um, and you could tell that that romantic relationship is growing throughout those years. And I love seeing the early years of Steve's um, friendship with Bucky um, and how Bucky just kind of stood up for him. And now we get to see throughout the rest of the MCU where Steve is able to reciprocate that to Bucky and stand up for him, especially in Civil War. I'll get into that later. But um, 
yeah, I loved the first Avenger. Um, I loved the plot line. Um, Red Skull was a good villain. I enjoyed him. Um, I love seeing Zola. Um, I love seeing Tommy Lee Jones here. It was awesome. And he portrayed his role very well. I love his line where he says, let's go get two more. Um, and uh, uh, just a great film. Um, I thought it was better than the previously mentioned films, obviously. But um, yeah, I gave the first Avenger a 7.8. This leads us into our top 10 MCU films within the Infinity Saga. At number 10, we have Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, I did say that the trilogies do get better, but this is an exception because I think Homecoming is better than Far From Home. Um, again, Far From Home, I said it in the last episode because it just happened to be the Far From Home episode, that I just don't think Mysterio did it for me as a villain, and I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal just really did it for me as Mysterio. Um, they probably could have enhanced the character had they gotten someone else to play the role i i get that he's a great actor he really is but i he just didn't really do it for me as that role he just feels less of a serious kind of role taker i guess uh, he kind of takes on less serious roles in my opinion than mysterio um Mysterio just kind of has a grudge, and I just don't see Ryan Reynolds, not Ryan Reynolds, um, Jake Gyllenhaal having grudges, you know? It just kind of seems offsetting for that for me. And so um, I did enjoy the movie, though, the plot twist with MJ knowing all along, basically. And um, I enjoyed um, seeing Peter um, as teenager, of course, trying to woo MJ. Um, and then we also have the little romance, uh, little girlfriend-boyfriend relationship that Ned has with Betty. Um, and I love Flash in this as well. Um, that he just sort of kind of admits that he just does his live videos just for attention and such. Um, and I love the, the relationship that just kind of continues to grow between Peter and Happy. Um, within this film, at least I did when this movie came out before I watched freaking No Way Home, but um, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed seeing J.K. Simmons finally as J.J. J. Jonah Jameson, um, and um, it was great that cameo there, or cameo, he showed up there at the end, and I enjoyed um, the major plot twist of the MCU here. Um, and um, then I'll get into Noe Helm of how he deals with that in that episode. But um, I I just generally enjoy this film. And it was good. Um, I did think that there was something off about Nick Fury and Maria Hill in this movie. And, of course, that was confirmed with the credits scene there where they were revealed to be Talos and his wife, the Skrulls. Um, but I did give Far From Home a 7.9. At number 9... We have The Avengers at an 8. It was a great team-up movie. The first team-up movie we get within the MCU. I love seeing the original six come together and the way they come together. Um, and especially in the moment right before they go to New York, we see Iron Man working on his suit. We see Captain America grabbing his suit and his shield. We see Thor trying to bring himself to be worthy of Mjolnir again and picking it up. We see... 
um, Hulk, um, well, Banner just kind of decompress after that previous fight. Uh, we see Black Widow suit up with her tasers and such. We see Hawkeye just grab his bow and arrows, and um, we have that moment there. And I, I love the also the team up moment where they're standing in a circle in the middle of New York City. Um, it's just a great film, and Phil Coulson's death really um, is compelling. Um, and I love that Phil Coulson, speaking of which, is a big Captain America fan, much like me. And so he, he's just a big fanboy here, really. Um, but um, he also gets the job done that he needs to, and he does his job well. Um, I love seeing Nick Fury um, trying to be, bring the band together and get them to work together well. Um, it's just a great film, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it really wasn't that bad of a film. So at number eight, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp at 8.1. That's right, I put Ant-Man and the Wasp higher than the Avengers. I know that's weird, but um, I, I just really enjoyed this one. The comedy again, and Louise just shines all the more, and I love seeing Dave and Kurt have their moments of comedy too. Um, I, I loved the whole bit with the truth serum. Um, and then uh, I love that the whole story is about trying to get Janet Van Dyne back from the quantum realm. And, um, it's just a great film in general. We get to see what Scott's been doing, um, after Civil War. Um, and so I, I just generally enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, can't wait for Mania. I've already got my ticket comes out in two and a half weeks now I think so um, I cannot wait and so at number seven we have Spider-Man Homecoming and the thing that makes this movie better in my opinion than Far From Home other than how uncompelling of a villain Mysterio is to me is how compelling of a villain Vulture is to me in the plot twist oh the plot twist in this film I love Peter knocks on the door and he discovers that who's at the door, uh, who is his date's dad other than the vulture himself. And I love it. I love the callback moments kind of to uh, Michael Keaton's vulture or Michael Keaton's Batman movies. Um, I love that they pay that homage as in as much as they can without risking copyright infringement. Um, and just Vulture is just very compelling villain to me. I love the comic moment where Peter's like, come on, Peter, you can do this. He tries to muster up the strength to um, take the column um, away from him, to lift the column up and away from him so that he can go and stop Vulture. Um, I love that Peter just looks up to Tony Stark here um, and seeing their relationship kind of start to form even further from what it started out as in Civil War. Um, and I love seeing Tony here just kind of being a dad before he actually is a dad to Morgan Stark here in Endgame. But uh, I just, man, what a great film. Uh, yeah, and I've told you why it's better than Far From Home in my opinion. But um, I just really enjoy this movie. So at number six... We have Avengers Age of Ultron. And I gave it an 8.3. And um, the reason it's so far up for me is um, because it 
has so much that leads up to the future of the MCU at that point. We get the introduction of Vil- uh, Vision. Um, I wish that Ultron would have stayed more as a more continuous villain within the MCU, but oh well. We get Scarlet Witch here, or Wanda, should I say. Um, there's just so much implications for the future of the MCU here, especially within for leading up to Endgame. Um, here it is revealed that um, Loki had the Mind Stone all along within the Scepter, which begs the question of why would Thanos give Loki an Infinity Stone already just to give him another Infinity Stone? That seems like a very risky move. Like, you had the Mind Stone. You could have just used it to manipulate people to give you the other stones. Um, it just doesn't make sense. But anyways... Um, I think Thanos might have just seen an opportunity to get Loki on his side there and prove himself. But anyways, um, I I just really enjoyed Age of Ultron. Um, I know that people tended to not like the Hawkeye storyline of having a family because he doesn't have one in the comics. He's just kind of his own thing. But um, I actually enjoyed that because it kind of made him more grounded and made him more human. It, It made... Clint Barton seemed more compelling to me as a character and more human and it and in that it sort of leads up to his role in Endgame as well and um so I just really enjoyed Age of Ultron um of course there's also the philosophical side between um Ultron and Vision and um I'm a very big philosophy brain um and also theology brain which I've mentioned before here and so um that is what also contributes to this movie being um, so high in the list for me. Um, and so Age of Ultron at an 8.3. At number 5, we have Thor Ragnarok at an 8.6. Uh, it just really boosted the Thor franchise for me. Uh, I love that. Well, at that moment, I loved that Taika Waititi um, took over the Thor movies. Um, it was a great um, twist to the Thor franchise, I guess, um, where they just made him a comedic character more so, but he still has a serious side to him. Um, I love the introduction of Hela. Um, Over the years, I've come to more appreciate the um, humor behind the theater stuff that's going on um, in Asgard, uh, where you have Matt Damon playing Loki and such. And so, and it's so, uh, so low budget in there that I love the juxtaposition between seeing such a high budget film and a very low budget production of that. And of course it's from the events of Thor, the dark world. And I loved Korg. I love Meek. Um, I love seeing Valkyrie, all these new characters, Grandmaster, um, seeing Sakaar in general. Uh, I loved the scene where Thor um, is getting ready to meet the Grandmaster and you see that, you hear that female voiceover saying, you're about to meet the Grandmaster. And uh, it's just great comedy in this film. I I love seeing the relationship continue between Hulk and Thor and even Banner and Thor. Um, And seeing Banner operate off planet, off Earth, um, and actually help out in Asgard as well. And of course, you get to continue to see the relationship grow between Thor and Loki. Um, 
and also Heimdall doing his duty as the guardian of um, that specific realm, I guess. Um, he's protecting the people of Asgard from Hela and from Loki, really. Um, but I also just love to see that this movie is kind of where Loki's story takes a turn for the better. Um, and he starts to be redeemed. And I I love that. Um, I, I just really love this film. Um, also, the Doctor Strange bit was hilarious to me. Because um, Thor just kind of tends to break things. And Strange just kind of tends to portal him to places. And Thor's like, please stop. Um, and then I love the, you've, I've been falling for 30 minutes bit. And uh, I, I love that Thor just tries to, or Thor, Loki tries to attack Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange just is having none of it, and so he's like, okay, you're out of here. Um, and so, I, I love that this also kind of connects Doctor Strange with the Avengers, and so, uh, and this is where things kind of start to connect to lead up to Infinity War. And so, just, what a great film in general. So, I gave Thor Ragnarok an 8.6 so number four we have avengers infinity war at an 8.7 and i really enjoy this film and i can see why a lot of other people enjoyed this film i loved seeing the guardians coming to meet the avengers i i just love the film in general there's just too much to talk about here we get to see sort of like on titan especially we get to see a lot of these one-on-one -on -one fights versus thanos um, I love the Iron Man versus Thanos thing. It's very compelling and it has you on the edge of your seat. Um, I love Doctor Strange fighting Thanos. Um, and Thanos just kind of gets to display the power of each stone against Doctor Strange. And um, I, I was really anticipating this movie, of course, like everybody else. But um, one thing about it, and I think I mentioned this in the Infinity War episode, is... When they had announced that Avengers 3 was going to be split into a two-parter thing, I was like, okay, for plot point-wise and, and for, like, the the plot arcs and whatever, like, they've got to make it in a way to where part one seems like Thanos wins. And then part two, um, somehow the Avengers come back and beat him. And so I was expecting Thanos to win in this movie coming into it. Um, but like the way that it happened, man, yeah, ugh, it gets you, man. Um, I also mentioned that, um, it wasn't so much the Spider-Man death that got me, but the Black Panther death, because it was really like, um, they, they set it up to where it seemed like Okoye was going to be the one to go, but it was really T'Challa and, and you could see the distress in her face in it, um, and I loved when Team Cap made their entrance. Um, Captain America just kind of catches the spear that Proxima Midnight throws at him. Um, also, we kind of get to see Bearded Cap here, so that's kind of cool. Um, we get to see a fight in Wakanda, some of aliens versus Wakandans, and I, I love it. Um, and Bucky and Steve get reunited um, as friends. I love the moment where Bucky is holding up Rocket and they're shooting guns at the dogs in Wakanda. Awesome. Uh, Thor getting Stormbreaker, uh, teaming up with Rocket and Groot there. Um, I love seeing Peter Dinklage here for a second. Um, even however brief his 
moment was it was kind of cool seeing him as a giant dwarf and um yeah uh i loved seeing how much wanda and vision's relationship has grown um especially after the events of civil war um and i love that their rivalry kind of thing has been redeemed um from civil war because they did take opposing sides within that film also for once um i love that spider-man gets to fight alongside his hero iron man um and, and that's awesome to see and i love i think one of my favorite lines from this film is when peter first comes into the fight in new york and he's like what's his problem mr stark and and Tony basically summarizes everything. It reminds me of like describe a movie plot in very badly. And um, he says, uh, this guy came to steal a necklace from a wizard. And <laughs> that kind of is true. But um, I, I love Tony's wit here, though. Um, I love seeing that Tony and um, Pepper are about to get married. And um, at Bruce's back. And everything just escalates so quickly. And I love just seeing just this team up take place throughout the galaxy. Um, and so I I just really enjoy this film. So I gave Infinity War an 8.7. At number three, in third place, bronze medal, we have Captain America the Winter Soldier at an 8.8. I, yes, I did enjoy this movie more than Infinity War. Um... I love, I kind of enjoy spy thrillers like this too. Um, and uh, of course I had to put a Captain America film up top here, right? Um, this has my favorite quote, which I'll get into later. My favorite quote of the entire um, Infinity Saga, which I'll get into later. Um, um, when I mentioned all my favorites throughout the entire saga really here. Um, and I'll just mention the very favorites of each category that I've gone through with each movie. And so um, I I just love seeing um, Agent Carter, not Agent, well, it is Agent Carter, but Sharon Carter come in um, into this film. I love that Cap gets to, or Steve gets to visit um, Peggy again, and they get to see one another. Um, and he gets to give her that hope for the future of the nation and for the future of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of thing. And I love that. Um, I love that it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. versus HYDRA type thing. I just... I love when... Um, I guess the good guys just turn on each other because they're given false information um, by the true bad guys. And so I, I love how that turns out and plays out. And I love that this shows um, Peter... Or not Peter. Wow. Steve... Is just such a good friend to Bucky here. Um, and the fight scenes here are so great. Um, I love the choreography within the fight scenes. I love seeing the relationship, of the friendship relationship, continue to um, grow with between Steve and Nat. Um, and and I, I think it's funny that Nat just tries to um, get Steve um, a romantic relationship in the here and now. Um, I love being introduced to Sam here. Um, I love seeing Falcon being introduced. Um, I love kind of going back in time with Steve here, going to speak to the AI Zola 
um, uh, just a great movie in general. Um, and, and I love seeing that Cap gets to make a best friend out of Sam too. And so just a great film. That's why I gave it third place and 8.8 and second place at number two. It is yet another Captain America movie, Civil War, with a 9.0. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, basically, just go back to that episode to let you know why I love this movie so much. Um, uh, Steve has his head on straight in this movie. I'm team cap all the way. I'll, I get into detail there in that episode too. Um, but it's, it's just a great film. The airport fight scene is amazing i love that um each team's secret weapon is a bug type character so like team iron man you got spider-man team cap you got ant-man um i love the fanboying that ant-man does that scott does with team um captain america um and, and i love his line he's like thanks for thinking of me um where he gets his words mixed up and it's amazing and i love seeing bucky and sam fight alongside each other um, and, and then just seeing all these powers at play within this and how Zemo is just manipulating the whole situation. And like the whole time, I was so mad at Tony just for not listening to Steve. And then finally, when Friday gives him the information he needs to show that Steve was right all along, um, Steve is just, I mean, Tony, you can see that he's just sort of mad at himself. Um, and then he goes to help Steve. Um, and, and then the real civil war starts to break out where it gets personal for Tony. Um, and, uh, I love that at the end credit scene, you, we, we get introduced here also to black Panther and Spider-Man. And I mentioned that before, but also in the end credit scene, how black Panther just kind of changes his mind on Steve and, and Captain America in general. And he just decides to help him by helping Bucky. And, um, I love that. There's that relationship that forms between the three here. Um, just a bunch of good men just trying to do right by themselves and right by the world and try to make the world a better place. Um, just I love Captain America Civil War so much. Also, it has my favorite Stan Lee cameo, as I mentioned before earlier. And um, yeah, and that leads us to the number one film within the Infinity Saga, in my opinion. Avengers Endgame, I gave it a 9.6. Um, I just love all the throwback that it does to the previous films within the MCU at that point. Um, it alludes a lot to the Winter Soldier. Um, uh, and, and then just Captain America picking up Mjolnir. And then the big three fighting Thanos. And each of them taking on Thanos one at a time. Um, and then the portal scene. Oh my goodness, portals was amazing. I, I think outside of the Marvel theme, portals is my favorite um, orchestral piece within the entire Infinity Saga. And so I I just loved it. Um, portals, uh, again, I can't say enough good about that scene where we get everybody coming back. Like, I remember being in theaters watching Endgame. That was the best theater experience I've ever had was watching Endgame and um, I love when everybody's coming in through the portals it's perfect setup for it too because you got Sam like saying Cap do you read me on your left and the on your left is yet another throwback to the Winter Soldier and I ugh, it's so great 
so great. Um, and so I love Avengers Endgame. I gave it a 9.6. So to give you the rundown again of my Infinity Saga ranking and rating is at number 23, The Incredible Hulk at 5.2. At 22, Thor at a 6.5. At 21, Doctor Strange with a 6.7. At 20, Iron Man with a 6.8. 19, Iron Man 2 with a 7.0. At 18, Captain Marvel with a 7.3. At 17, Thor the Dark World with a 7.4. 16, Guardians of the Galaxy, 7.5. At 15, we have Iron Man 3 with a 7.6. At 14, we have Black Panther with a 7.6. At 13, we have Ant-Man with a 7.7. At 12, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with a 7.7. At 11, we have Captain America the First Avenger with a 7.8. At number 10, we have Spider-Man Far From Home with a 7.9. At 9, we have The Avengers with an 8.0. At 8, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp with an 8.1. At 7th, we have Spider-Man Homecoming with an 8.2. In 6th place is Avengers Age of Ultron with an 8.3. And number 5, Thor Ragnarok with an 8.6. Number 4, Avengers Infinity War with an 8.7. Number 3, Captain America the Winter Soldier with an 8.8. In second, we have Captain America Civil War with a 9.0. And in first place, we have Avengers Endgame with a 9.6. Again, I would love to hear your thoughts. What are your um, rankings and ratings for the Infinity Saga films in general? Um, so that leads me into the next little segment here. I'm going to mention my overall favorites where I've also, within these films, been mentioning favorite scene, quote, and um, character. And so let's start with my favorite character right now. Um, again, Steve Rogers. Um, because I just feel that I relate to him the most. And um, he kind of reflects my values as well within his values. Now my favorite scene um, has got to be when Captain America picks up Mjolnir. And second to that would be the portal scene when everybody comes in. Because that moment is just so hype. Uh, and then my favorite quote is the favorite quote that I have from the Winter Soldier. Where Captain America gives his speech. Um, in front of everybody on the intercom where he's like, if I'm the only one, then so be it, but I'm willing to bet I'm not. And so, yeah, that's just my overall favorites. Obviously, it all surrounds Steve Rogers for obvious reasons. So this next segment, I'm a little mention here. Um, so if the original six Avengers were a worship band or a rock band or whatever, here's what my head canon tells me. Bruce Banner slash the Hulk would be on drums. Then Thor would be on bass. Um, got Natasha on keys. And then you have Tony on the electric guitar. And then Steve on the acoustic guitar. And because Jeremy Renner actually has his own rock band where he's a lead singer, we would have Clint as the lead singer. And, like, tell me that this isn't perfect. Like, come on. Like, Tony loves ACDC, so of course he'd be on electric. And I just... Just see Thor rocking on the bass. And then Steve just kind of seems to be like that 
typical worship leader kind of guy that just breaks out his acoustic. Um, and then Hulk smash, of course, so you got to smash the drums. Um, so it just makes perfect sense to me in my head. I, I just thought I'd mention that. Funny little bit for you there. Um, and so now it is time for the card drawing. Um, first, I will mention that there are only two entries. And um, because of that, I thought it'd be a really good idea to um, read out loud the messages that they've sent me. Um, and... Uh, and just share kind of like their perspective of the MCU and scripture, really. And so what I did was I asked, asked that you send in um, a message or a video stating your favorite moment from either the MCU, um, the podcast here, or from scripture, or any combination thereof. And both of these people chose to do a combination. And both of these people actually happen to be personal friends of mine, Tice and Ryan. And I believe this first one came from Tice, and so I'm going to read his right now. A favorite series of moments from the MCU for me would be what I call the hero moments from the first Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America, respectively. In each of their origin movies, the heroes each have a very cool and emotionally resonant moment where they are willing to give up their lives for the sake of everyone else. In Iron Man... It's in the climax where the, he tells Pepper to blow the reactor to kill both him and Stain. In Thor, it's when he offers Loki to take his life to save the rest of the town, the very thing that makes him worthy of wielding Mjolnir again. In the first Avenger, it's when Steve willingly sinks the plane in order to destroy the bombs it's carrying. In each of these moments, they practice self-sacrifice for the greater good to the point of giving up their lives. I believe it's so emotionally resonant because it's actually a biblical theme that Jesus himself taught. In John 15:13, that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's like the MCU writers understood that this theme was the most heroic thing that someone could do, even if they didn't acknowledge the biblical roots. Also, a favorite Bible verse of mine would be Jeremiah 29:13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think it speaks a lot to God's promise to both believers and non-believers that he'll reveal himself to those that earnestly seek him. It's really powerful and comforting. And so that was Tice's entry. Thank you for that, Tice. That was really great. Um, and I think I actually mentioned um, a verse about um, greater love has no, lo no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends in the Winter Soldier episode. And so um, I really like that you saw that too. And so this next... Entry comes from my other friend, Ryan. His entry says, I have a lot, but in all honesty, my favorite hero is Iron Man always. So my favorite, least favorite moment is when Tony gets the stones and uses them. And I am Iron Man. Will always make me cry. Haha. <laughs> favorite scripture? This changes over time, but currently I've been leading my youth through the book of Job. And I absolutely love it for so many reasons. But I especially love... In all this, Job did not curse God. It's the best message possible. And I love that. Actually, Ryan is a uh, youth pastor um, in the area local to me. And so um, I love that entry there. Ryan, thank you so much for that. And so how I will do this, because there are only two entries here. I have a quarter here right in front of me. And I'm going to do a coin toss. Now I'm going to do best two out of three. 
So heads will be Tice and tails will be Ryan. So here we go. First toss. It's heads. So Tice has the upper hand. Next toss. It's tails. So it's anyone's game now. Um, so next flip wins the Avengers playing cards. It is Tails. So Ryan, you win the Avengers playing cards. Um, I will get connected with you um, and uh, be able to get you your cards. You're actually kind of local to me, so I'm glad I don't have to mail it out to someone. Um, I have to go through the hassle of going through the post office. But anyways, I will get those cards to you, Ryan. I'm so happy that you won it. Um, I would have been happy for Tice if he won it too. But Tice or anybody else who um, actually wants these cards, you can find them at theory11.com. Uh, that's theory, then the number 11.com. And they have a bunch of nerdy type playing cards. And that's where I got these from. And so um, you can actually um, get different colors for this style of card um, here. Um, you got red, green, and purple. And so um, the one that you're getting, Ryan, is purple. And so, um, and you get to match mine. So that's kind of cool. Um, just one last thing before we close out. I wanted to mention my plans for the future of this podcast um, since we're done with the Infinity Saga. So I had already written out the um, MCU Devo's devotional for Black Widow and Shang-Chi. And so I will get... Those will be my next two episodes, and then from there, we will go in order of release um, for the shows and the movies um, going into Phase 4 of the MCU. And so I'll do um, Black Widow, then Shang-Chi, and then I'll go back to WandaVision, and then I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier was after that, or whatever. But um, with that, um, with the order... I'm not going to go in release order compared to um, the first episode of a show and how it fell in line with the next movie that released. But, like, I will go with um, when that show fully came out and then the next movie that came out. Um, so, for example, I know that um, Hawkeye Episode 5 came out uh, one week and then that weekend Spider-Man No Way Home came out. And then the following week, the finale episode of Hawkeye came out. So in that instance, I would um, give you the No Way Home episode before I give you the Hawkeye episode because Hawkeye hadn't completely finished that season until No Way Home had already come out. And so that's the plan there. Uh, that's the plan for the future of this podcast. Um, and I cannot wait to dive into Phase 4 with you guys and to um, continue catching up in the MCU with this stuff and um with that expect new devotionals coming out on the devotional pages on the social medias and speaking of the social medias and feel free to get in contact with me on either of them just message me or whatever um you don't have to have a certain purpose behind it um not that i've given you or anything and even if you would just like to join our discord server um feel free to do that um you can email me um, at mcudevos at gmail.com. That is mcudevos at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can find us at our searching for mcudevos. Um, on Instagram, you can find us at mcudevos. On Twitter, you can find us at mcudevos podcast. 
And on TikTok, you can find us at Oh How Marvelous Podcast, where there's some extra content there, as well as our YouTube page, where you can just search for Oh How Marvelous. Um, just look for the same logo you see in your podcast platform. Feel free to go out there. Um, so that does it for the anniversary special. Um, thank you so much, guys, for um, sticking around with me for the whole year, those of you who have. Um, and I, I can't wait for another great year of Oh How Marvelous and MCU Devos. So um, that does it for the one-year anniversary special of Oh How Marvelous. We'll see you next time when we cover Black Widow on Oh How Marvelous.